0: Yeah, we are excited that t- this afternoon into the evening, we're going to get to hang out. Just want to let you know, 4 p.m., the fall party uh, is going to be there in Powderly, and um, you've had the address, you've seen the address. Uh, it'll probably go out one more time today, but uh, we would love to see you there. This is this is a time where we have no agenda Um Other than we're going to have some inflatables out there for the kids, lots of food, bring a side dish, bring a lawn chair, uh, there's going to be a bonfire, hayride if you want to participate in that. Uh, Just going to be a lot of fun and it's an opportunity that we set aside every year uh, just for our church family to gather together and uh, get to know some people and just have a good time together. So uh, we'd love to see you. That starts at four o'clock this afternoon so we'd love to see you there. And before we get into uh, James chapter 3 in just a moment, as all of you are aware, um, the last couple of days have been kind of crazy, and uh, it was uh, one of those moments where um, some of you, and I I don't know where all of you are at in the room, but some of you may have been directly affected, some of you may be indirectly affected. I know um, when the storms came through, uh, we were out driving around after everything had passed, and we're just kind of blown away at uh, what we were seeing as we were driving around, um, and how people were seriously affected, with houses just completely demolished, people trying to collect their, you know, valuable things, and find everything that they could, Um, and I just want to, I want to first of all commend you, and then I want us to pray, but so many of you I know yesterday we were uh, we were at a certain location and we were clearing trees and driveways and there was one house where um, you know a tree had fallen through the front door of the house and the cars were blocked in and and all of this and so we're trying to you know get all of this stuff moved and there were several people that were out there with us where we were at there were other people that I know of that were at another location cleaning up a house that had been demolished and trying to help you know gather things for that and then there were uh, a lot of you that were donating, I mean, word went out, you know, about needing clothes or needing food, and people were donating clothes and showing up with, you know, vehicle loads of clothes to just give to people that were in need that had just lost everything, you know. And, and, I'll, and I'm getting text messages about, hey, you know, we've got this available if somebody needs a place to live. Hey, you know, I can get somebody into here if people need to be able to take a shower. And, hey, and it was a beautiful picture of how I believe God can take something that's uh, that's a tragic thing and still get glory and still work it together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose do you believe that I mean we were driving yesterday morning we got out and we were driving to to go help and and I mean this county road we were trying to get down you almost couldn't get down it because there were so many vehicles parked everywhere with people that did not even live there that were just out helping everybody I mean, people were driving around with, with, you know, many excavators and just pulling into driveways. What do you need me to do? You know, and then they would get done there, and they would go to the next house, and what do you need me to do? I mean, it was a beautiful picture of how, listen, how we are capable of setting aside our differences and truly loving one another the way that Jesus has called us to love one another and help each other, and uh, it was a beautiful thing to see. We Turned down one of the roads, and all the people that we saw, um, my wife looked at me. She said, "I could cry right now, just looking at at all this devastation." But how people have just, I mean, like nobody even needed an invitation. People just jumped in and started. What can I do to help you, um, for the people that were affected by that? So I want to, I want to, I want to pray um, for all of the families and the individuals that were affected by the storms that came through. But I also want to pray for those that are out. Uh, even right now, we have uh, some in our church that couldn't even be here today because they are out trying to restore power and electricity to uh, places and people's homes. And I don't know how many homes are without electricity. And you may be one of those. I know we had some people in our, you know, in our church that uh, were without power. And everywhere that we drove, I mean, there was just truck after truck after truck after truck lined up everywhere where they're trying to restore power and get things cleared away and working into the night. I mean, even, you know, after dark and through the night. And so just want to pray for safety for those that are out doing that. And then also for just peace and comfort uh, for the families that were affected. Um, there are some, you know, families that you may even know that they just lost it all. And and it's almost like, man, we're, we're starting over. And where do we, I can't imagine the weight of that. Um, the the feeling of being overwhelmed by everything's gone and where do we go from here you know how do we how do we do this so uh, will you join with me and let's just pray for those that were affected pray for those that are out working and uh, just pray that um, just stand in agreement together that obviously God's going to continue to move and and that uh, that he's going to work it all together for good so Lord right now we thank you so much that we can trust you and Lord we lift up These families, these individuals, these parents and kids and uh, extended family members that were affected directly by this, and Lord, maybe those that lost everything in this storm. Uh, God, I just pray for your peace and your comfort. Lord, we know that your word says that uh, you comfort us and we can take the comfort that we receive from you and we can use it to comfort other people. And that I pray that we'd be people that comfort those around us. God, we thank you for even in the midst of, of disaster this beautiful picture of how a community and really what the church should be like, of how uh, we just j- we come together and we help one another and we set aside you know uh, what we have to do to, to be a part of what you need us to do in this moment and in this situation. So God, I thank you for the ability and the opportunity to do that. We just lift up all of the uh, electric companies that are all over the place over the last couple of days and even today, restoring power. pray that you would keep them safe. And uh, Lord, we know that in all things, um, we want you to get glory. And so we may not see it now, but Lord, help us to be able to see it with with your eyes. And as we jump in and help and and, uh, continue to be a part of what you're doing to restore and bring peace and bring hope to those that were affected. God, help us to be a part of it. In Jesus' name. Come on. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Alright, so we're in a series going through the book of James, and we've been through James chapter 1 and James chapter 2. And really we're learning, um, I believe, what Christian maturity looks like. What does it look like to follow Jesus and to be a mature Christian as we follow Jesus and as we live you know, our faith out here, uh, here on the earth. And today we're jumping into James chapter 3 together, and I want to start in the first five verses. And uh, we'll go through this and learn something today that we can apply. Come on, how many of you know from James chapter 1, it's not what you know that matters, it's what you do with what you know that matters. And so we have to be people that apply the Word of God. So here we go, jumping in, James chapter 3, starting in verse 1. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we'd be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Um, As I was reading this, it's important, first of all, to note that two-thirds of this chapter we're going to study on today is all about your tongue and my tongue two-thirds of what we're going to talk about today we said it in chapter one he it's like he touches on it a little bit about controlling our tongue and then in chapter three he really goes a little more in depth with the power of the things that we say in our tongues and so uh the bible actually has a lot to say about what you say the bible has a lot to say about how we use our tongues and how we use our words and, and how they are life and death. And I want to, these, this is not an exhaustive list, but I just put together several scriptures that emphasize the power of the words that we say or the things that we speak or our tongues, our mouths. I want to start in Psalm chapter 34, verses 12 and 13. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? To which we would all say, well, sure, I would love to live that. And look at what he says. Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Proverbs twelve eighteen. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Proverbs 15, 4. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 18, 21. Many of us are familiar with this. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Matthew 12, 36 and 37. And I tell you this, you must give, uh, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Luke 6 45, a person, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Ephesians four don't use foul or abusive language, let everything, somebody say everything, let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Can we just pause there for a minute, and let me ask you, how are you doing with that? Let everything, let everything that you say be good and helpful. Why? So that your words, the things that you say, will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. In James 1.26, we looked at it a couple of weeks ago, but we'll read it again. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. How many of you today would be willing to say that and willing to admit that you have said some things that you regretted saying. Come on, anybody, can we just all participate today? Let me see your hands. Everybody look around the room. All right, let me ask you another question. How many of you on your way to church today, you would be willing to admit that you said some things and you used your your tongue to say some things that you now regret as you're sitting in church? Come on, anybody want to be honest about that one? Yes. We struggle with this. We struggle with this. This is something that James is making an emphasis on that the entire Bible you can read throughout. Jesus speaks to it. Paul speaks to it. The Proverbs speak to it. I mean, our tongues are powerful and they are important. And we have to pay attention to how we use them. We have to pay attention to how we use our words. Now, jumping into a little bit of of James chapter 3, James begins... Uh, by addressing teachers in the church, and he speaks to this. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever looked up here or been to a church or you've you know been to a conference and somebody was preaching the word of God, and you looked and you thought, I wish I could do that. I wish that I could do that, and you know, like their face gets seen, and everything that I do is behind the scenes, and I just wish that I could have that influence. I wish that God would give me that ability. I wish that God would do that. And here's what's interesting to me is we have a tendency to look at you know, others who, who maybe have the gift of teaching or have the gift of preaching or have the opportunity to do that. We tend to look at them and, and we think that we like the idea of doing that. But what's interesting to me, all right, now I'm preaching to myself right now. What's interesting to me is James does not speak to the accolades of being a preacher. He actually speaks to the less attractive aspect of teaching and this is what he says we who teach will be judged more strictly one commentator said it this way teachers influence the thinking of others and have the power to lead them astray teachers have the power to lead people astray there is influence that is given that if it is not used properly it can actually lead people astray now um this is a this is something and then I'm gonna get off of this and we're gonna talk a lot about the things that we say and and, uh, and and controlling our tongues and different things as we go through this message. But this is something like for me, I feel like it's important that that I just ask the Lord before I say anything Lord, I just want to say everything. Come on, we could all participate in this. Lord, I just want to say, when I go home today, Lord, I just want to say everything that you want me to say and nothing that you don't want to say. When I go to work on Monday, I just want to say everything that you want me to say and nothing that you don't want me to say. And you've even heard me pray this before at the end of a message sometimes, like, Holy Spirit, you just fill in the gaps because there are opportunities for me to miss it. To not say enough or to say too much or to go in a direction that, you know, that, that doesn't benefit you. And I know that I need God's help. Come on, does anybody know that you need the Lord? We were singing that song this morning, that I need you. Sometimes we have a tendency to forget that we need God. It's a great responsibility to be able to, to, to speak the word of God and to teach And I don't think it's my responsibility to just give you a good message each week. It's my responsibility to give you the word of God each week. It's not for me to say something that makes you think, oh, that was good. That was a good word. It's it's for you to see the word of God and how you can apply that to your life. What you need to do with what God said, not what you need to do with what Gabe said. It's about the word of God. And then James he, he says that if we could control these things, if we could control our tongues, then we could say that we are perfect and we'd be able to control everything else, like everything about us. In other words, he's making the point that we all miss it. Everyone in this room, if we were to take a poll in this room, everyone in here in the last 24 hours has probably said something that you wish you had not said or that you regret saying or that you wish you had said differently differently. This is, this is something that we struggle with. And then he jumps into some examples just to clarify the power of our tongues. And he says things like, small bits make a horse turn. Small rudders, even with wind, turn these large ships. And tiny sparks start a large fire. And then he ties in, he says that our tongues are small, but they make grand speeches or big statements. They can set an entire, our entire life on fire all from what comes from our mouth this is a gift from god that god wants to use but james is saying there's sometimes this is a problem and the bible speaks a lot about the things that we say so i want to ask you this question then we'll go into the next few few verses are your statements and the things you say are they helpful or are they hurtful when you communicate when you say something is it helpful or is it hurtful Before you say something to your spouse, is this helpful or is this hurtful? Before you say that to your kids, is this helpful or is this hurtful? Because God wants me to use this to be a healing mechanism, a helpful thing, an encouraging thing, not something to just hurt the people around me with. And he goes on in verses 6 through 8, and this is what he says. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it to set on fire by hell itself. Anybody ever said anything and you thought, yeah, my whole life's on fire right now? Like, because of a statement that I made or something that I said that I'm like, ah, if I could go back, you know, it's like, if I could just go back and pull that out of the air before it gets to that person's ear or whatever the case might be. It can set your whole life on fire for it to set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. I love this imagery because people can tame all kinds of animals. I know our younger kids um, this last week, or uh, it's been a little over a week ago, they were taken to go see these tigers that can do tricks. You know, people have tamed these tigers. I'm thinking, here's something that could eat you alive. And we have figured out a way to tame it And treat it in a certain way and reward it in a certain way and do certain things in a certain way so that it will obey us. It will do what we, and people can come and watch how we have tamed a tiger. And we can make it jump. And we can make it stand on its hind legs, and we can do all these things. And he says, like, we have tamed all kinds of animals. People can tame all kinds of animals, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Now, listen, I want to say this, and then we'll go on and we'll talk some about this. This is not an excuse for you to just not try. (laughs) This is not like you just say whatever you want to say, and it's like, well, I can't tame my tongue. You know, the tongue is is untamable. You know, this is not an excuse for you to just say whatever you want. James is just making a point that, hey, this is a thing. This is a thing. Like, it's a gift from God, but it's a thing that can can speak death into people's lives, speak death into your situation if you don't pay attention to how you're using it. The enemy would love nothing more than to get a hold of your tongue and your words. He would love nothing more than for you to begin to speak in the way that he speaks. You think about when Jesus and the disciples are there and Peter has just declared that you are the Messiah the son of God and then Jesus starts to talk about his death and what he's about to go through and Peter basically rebukes Jesus for talking that way and Jesus looks at him and says "Get behind me Satan." Like what you're the like the way you're thinking and what you're saying right now you don't have in mind the things of God. And there are instances in our lives where we say things I believe That are not, they don't have in mind the things of God and what God wants and what God's will is and and being helpful and being encouraging to other people. And the enemy would love nothing more than to get a hold of your tongue. Our tongues can destroy self esteem. Our tongues can devastate relationships. Our tongues can ruin a career. Our tongues can damage our marriage. Our tongues can kill a ministry. Our tongues can hurt our kids. Our tongues can set our whole lives on fire. And the reality is that we don't have the power on our own to tame our tongues. Um, we talked about how we've all said things that we've regretted. Anybody ever done something like this? You said something that you shouldn't have said, and you started it off with this. You said, I probably shouldn't say this, but. <laughs> it was like the Holy Spirit was speaking through you in that, those first five or six words, and then, he, and then he's like, he just left you. You're like, okay, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. And then we even say it. We'll say, we'll say I probably shouldn't say this. I probably shouldn't tell you. I probably shouldn't say it in this way. But, and then we'll make the statement, and then we'll end it like this. I probably shouldn't have said that. I know I probably shouldn't have said that, but I can I, can I submit to you, okay? I love you. Can I submit to you why we do things like that? Because we want to feel better. I probably shouldn't say this, but... I feel like if I say this to you, maybe I will feel better on the back end of this than I do right now. So I probably shouldn't make this statement, and it's probably going to be something that I regret at some point, but I'm going to go ahead and say it, and then I'm going to end it with, I probably should, and here's what you know and what I know. You didn't feel any better about the situation whenever you did that. When that was over, it did not help anything in that situation. In fact, sometimes it even makes it worse. But we do things like this all the time. Well, I I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Our words, our tongues, our mouths are powerful. So powerful. And I think that we tend to do things like this, use our words in the wrong way and and even speak death over our situations or other people's situations more than we probably care to admit. I love how one person put it. He said, the only successful tongue tamer is God. The only successful tongue tamer is God. You try to tame your own tongue, and at some point, if you're not submitting your tongue to God every single day and probably multiple times a day, and before you have that conversation, and before you get home, and before you do that, Like the only successful tongue tamer is God. And whatever is inside of you will eventually come out of you. Whatever is inside of you will eventually come out of you. Well, how do you know that? Well, here's how I know that because that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever is coming out of your mouth is a reflection of what has built up in your heart. And God wants to use our mouths and the words we say to help people, to love people, to heal people, to give life to people and even ourselves. And maybe we even need to search our hearts today to see if the words that we're speaking are loving and healing and life-giving. And so what do we do? I mean, if, if James says, like we can tame all kinds of animals, but we can't tame the tongue. And we know that like God is the only successful tongue tamer, then what do we need to do? Here's just a couple of practical things that I think we need to do. I think we need to submit our tongues to God. I know I mentioned this a little bit already, but like every day, like every hour. Lord, I, like I want the things that I say to bring glory to you, to be helpful to people, to be encouraging to people, and not to hurt. Not to devastate, not to, not to break apart relationships or whatever the case might be. And then here's the second thing. I think we need to fill ourselves up with scripture. And we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. I mean, like we need to, like, I'm filling myself up with scripture. I'm putting that in my heart. I'm I'm full of the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit's living on the side of me. And I'm just, I'm, I'm full of the Holy Spirit, and I'm submitting my tongue to God so that everything that I say can be life-giving that comes out of my mouth. He goes on in verses 9 through 12. He says sometimes, still speaking of the tongue, he says sometimes it, the tongue, praises our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble, up, bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. As I was reading just these few verses, this thought came to my mind, and I want to just pose this question to you. You ever come to church before, and don't look at the person next to you. You ever come to church before, and you were praising, and you were worshiping, and you were amening or whatever, and then you got in the car, and you were gossiping about somebody on the way home or on the way to the Mexican restaurant? Come on, somebody. If you were here a few weeks ago, you'll get that. I mean, you were on your way to go eat lunch and you, were, and you were talking bad about somebody. You were talking negatively about somebody right after you had just come. You ever, you ever done this? You ever spoken in faith in one moment and then in the next moment you were speaking in unbelief? And somewhere along the way, you were speaking in faith here. And that's what was coming out of your mouth. And it was life-giving. And somewhere along the way, maybe in the same day, maybe in the same 15 minutes, you were then speaking in unbelief and speaking in doubt about the same situation. And James is making the point, he says, he says, this should not be the case. Like, you're praising God and then you're cursing people who were made in the image of God. And he, it's like this picture in my mind, I hear it this way, he's like something's off. Something's off. Like we're not we're not one person in the way that we speak at church and another person in the way that we speak at work. It's like like something something's off and he he even goes in and he starts talking about You know, like, fig trees can't produce olives, and grapevines can't produce figs, and fresh water can't come from salty water, and a spring of water does not bubble up with both bitter and fresh water. In other words, like, everything is coming from inside of you. So if this is happening, then there has to be some kind of pollution inside of you. There has to be something going on with your heart, because if out of the heart the mouth speaks... And and in one moment we're praising God and in another moment we're cursing the people that were made in God's image or we're speaking negatively and, or we're speaking in faith and then we're speaking in doubt or we're saying one thing and then we're saying another thing and it's not lining up there's something going on inside of us Like the root system should determine what is produced out of it And I think that our heart is the root system Here's the point I think that that James might be getting at is when things are happening like this, your mouth has become polluted, your heart has become polluted. And I believe it does go back to the verse that we quoted a minute ago, that it's what's in our hearts that always comes out of our mouths in the things that we say. I like this comparison that someone made. They said it this way, our air and water become polluted when they include contaminants. It doesn't matter if a poisonous contaminant comprises only a small percentage of the whole. If you breathe polluted air or drink polluted water, you can become seriously ill or die. Here's here's what I think happens to a lot of us. It's just a little bit. It's just a little bit of something that gets in our heart. And then it's just a little bit more. And then we allow just a little bit more. And it doesn't feel like it's a big deal, but we allow a little bit more and a little bit more. And before we know it, the things that are coming out of our mouths are reflecting what we have allowed over time to settle in our heart. So now the bitterness that has gotten in here is coming out here. Now the, 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 the lack of faith that has gotten in here is coming out here. Now the frustration that has gotten in here is coming out here because out of the heart the mouth speaks. So it's not necessarily that we have to focus so much on the things that we say. I believe that we do need to focus on the things that we say. But if you're saying things that are contrary to God's word or what he would want you to say or that are not life-giving, maybe we need to, in, we need to take inventory of what's going on in our heart. And we need to ask the Lord, what's, what's going on in me right now that's causing these things to come out of my mind? What's going on in me that's causing me to lash out like this? What's going on inside of me that's causing me to speak death over every situation, even myself? And we say things like, well, this is just the story of my life. What's going on in here? Well, it's just always, I'm, I can't ever get ahead. I'm always behind. I never can do it right. What, what's, what's going on in here? That's causing those things to come out in the way that you speak. The way that you speak about yourself. I heard somebody said that this way one time they challenged, challenged a group of people, and I would challenge you to do this today, that with your friends or your spouse or with your kids, and they said whenever you see somebody in your life or you hear somebody in your life that is speaking negatively about themselves or speaking death over themselves or their situation, to look at them, and if it's your spouse, you look at them and you say, don't, don't talk about my wife that way. If it's a friend and you hear them and they're speaking death over their situation and death over themselves, and you're like, don't, uh, nah, don't talk, no, don't talk about my friend that way. Don't talk about somebody who's made in the image of God like that. And I think that we are dealing with issues in our bodies that are a fruit of the things that we have said, which is a fruit of the things that we have allowed in our heart. And what we have allowed in our heart is coming out in the words that we speak, and we're speaking death and negative over every situation and everything, and we're making these statements, and it's affecting everything in us. We've got to submit our tongue. We've got to pay attention to what we're allowing in our heart. We've got to pay attention to what we're allowing in our heart. If criticism is what comes out of my mouth, then the content of my heart needs to be addressed. If gossip is what is coming out of my mouth, the content of my heart needs to be addressed. If harsh words or you fill in the blank is what's coming out of my mouth, then what's in my heart needs to be addressed. And I think that we tend to be too careless with what we allow in our hearts. And probably more than I care to admit and probably more than than you care to admit we have said things or treated people in certain ways. And then we, have, then we have thought, this is something going on. What is going on inside of me? And a lot of times we will, we will say things and lash out and act certain ways and do certain things until we get to the point to where it's like, okay, everybody else isn't the problem. Maybe there's something going on inside of me. Maybe I'm speaking this way because there's something going on inside of me. Maybe I can only see this way because there's something going on inside of me. And then he goes on the next few verses, verses 13 through 16. He says, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. You ever had somebody tell you something and your response to them was, prove it. Like they said something to you, you're like, prove it. You said something to somebody else and and their response was, okay, prove it. And I don't think this is, this isn't James saying, hey, if you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it. Because I don't think you are. What he's getting at is the proof of what's going on inside of you and the wisdom that you have gotten from God. And that you have understanding. The proof of it comes out in the way that you live your life. That if this is what is inside of you, then it should be proved by the way that you live your life. By living an honorable life. By doing good works. Here it is again. James is all about, listen, you know it, now go do it. It's in you, now go do something with it. I love that James, he says that wisdom produces humility. And this godly wisdom, it leads to us living an honorable life and doing good works. And we talked about these Uh, We talked about these two things a little bit in a previous message, it hadn't been that long ago, um, where he talks about jealousy and selfish ambition or selfishness, and how it leads to disorder and evil. And so if we operate and we speak out of jealousy, anybody ever spoken out of jealousy, spoken out of selfish ambition? Like you had, like I'm getting to the top and it doesn't matter who's in my way, I'm just making sure that I'm gonna get to the top and you just had selfish ambition. What's interesting to me to point out here is how Jesus, you know, we talked about this last week. Jesus said, Hey, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Paul speaks to it and he says, Hey, you need to think of others as more than you think about yourself. Like you need to outdo, another place he says, You need to outdo yourselves in honor. You remember us talking about that? Like I'm going to outdo you, I'm going to honor you more than you can honor me. It's all about thinking of others more than we think about ourselves. And so it makes sense to me that when we're operating out of jealousy and selfishness that it would bring disorder and it would bring evil of every kind and that our our motives would get skewed in that because our focus is on jealousy and selfish ambition means it's about me. It's not about you. It's about me. It's about what I can get. It's about what I need. It's about where I'm going. But look at, look at what wisdom brings. The next two verses, and I want to kind of bring all this together. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So, look at this. Back in verse 16. James tells us that jealousy and selfish ambition is where you'll find disorder and evil. But in verse 17, we see that wisdom is what leads to peace and gentleness and willingness to yield to others and mercy, no favor system, sincerity, good deeds, all of these things. And back in chapter 1, James lets us know that if we need wisdom, so he's talking about wisdom in chapter 3, that this is what wisdom looks like. This is what wisdom produces. And if you go back to chapter 1, you'll remember that, hey, he, he said, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask our generous God. And he will give it to you. So God wants to give you wisdom. So that this can be what wisdom looks like in your life. That you're not operating and speaking out of and living your life out of jealousy and selfish ambition. It's not about you. It's now about what God wants to do in you and through you. Which is always going to be thinking of others. Loving the people around you. You ever spoken or made a decision out of jealousy or selfishness and saw that, man, that, that produced peace? You ever been operating in jealousy or selfishness and you were like, man, that is producing so much gentleness? I mean, I, like peace-loving? Whew, yes. Caring about others? <laughs> You know, did it produce mercy? Of, and I'm, you know, I'm being facetious. I'm being sarcastic. But obviously it didn't. Because when it's jealousy and selfishness, it's about me. It's not about me thinking about you. I'm thinking about me. And so it's going to produce the opposite of what God wants to produce in my life. A lot of times it, when we live that way, it produces strife. It produces disorder confusion, wrong motives, evil intentions, all of those things like that, but you ever truly sought wisdom from God? You ever just really like, and this is something I think that we need to do every day, it's like, God, give me your wisdom today, because I don't know what my day has in store for me, but I know you do, because you see the end from the beginning, and so I know that you know what's coming today, and so I need your wisdom right now, so that I can enter into what's coming today so that I can have wisdom in the moment whenever this thing happens or whenever that hits me or whenever that phone call comes in or whenever this conversation happens or whatever the case is. You ever been seeking wisdom? Here's what, here's what you'll notice about wisdom. When, when, you, when you spoke and made decisions from wisdom, did it cause disorder? When you spoke and made decisions that were based on godly wisdom and you had sought God for wisdom, did, like, was there evil intention and, and, and wrong motives behind any of that? Probably not. But when you, when you spoke and made decisions from wisdom, you probably experienced more peace. When you spoke and made decisions from wisdom, you were probably more merciful. When you spoke and you, you were operating in godly wisdom, you were probably more gentle in situations. When you spoke and made decisions from godly wisdom, it probably produced good deeds in your life. It probably led you to do something good for somebody else. It probably led you to see a need and meet a need. It probably led you to love your neighbor. It probably led you to love God. Because it's godly wisdom. And a lot of us, we just need to operate in godly wisdom. I love this statement. Wise deeds are the proof of a wise life. Wisdom coming out of you is the proof of... That you have received wisdom from God. That you have opened yourself up to say, God, I need your wisdom in this situation. I need your wisdom in this decision making. I need your wisdom in my life today. Even though I don't know what is coming today, I need your wisdom right now so that I can walk into this situation, I can walk into my day knowing that everything I do, I'm going to operate out of the wisdom that comes from you. I want to bring the worship team back. I love this. One one commentary said it this way about wisdom. said, When it comes to negotiating the twists and turns of this highway called life, wisdom gives us the ability to press the brake, flip the turn signal, turn the steering wheel, engage the accelerator, and navigate through heavy traffic. Wisdom, listen to this statement, Wisdom is the application of heavenly knowledge to earthly living. Wisdom is the application of heavenly knowledge to earthly living. It's applying heavenly knowledge to our everyday life. That's what wisdom is. Few believers, listen, few believers need a change in their circumstances half as much as they need wisdom to manage their circumstances. Few believers need a change in their circumstances half as much as they need wisdom to manage their circumstances. Listen, you don't need a new spouse Come on. You need wisdom to know how to love and live with the spouse you have. You don't need, come on somebody, you don't need new kids. You need wisdom to know how to love and lead the kids that you do have. You don't, listen, you don't need, necessarily need a new job or a new boss. You just need wisdom to know how to work for the person that you are currently working for. See, wisdom, it's the application of heavenly knowledge to our earthly living. We don't necessarily need all of our circumstances to change. We just need wisdom from above to manage through our circumstances, to know what to do in each situation. Not to necessarily avoid it altogether, but to know what to do. And back in verse 13, James tells us that humility comes from wisdom. That when you ask God for wisdom and operate in it, it doesn't produce pride and selfishness, it produces humility. I love how Paul spoke of selfishness versus humility or being humble in Philippians. This is chapter 2, verse 3. He says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't be selfish. Selfishness is what brings evil. It's what brings disorder. It's what brings chaos. It's what it, it, it causes you to step on people to try to get to where you're going because all you're thinking about is you. But be wise. Don't be selfish. Be wise. We talked about this a few weeks ago. What's the wisest thing you can do? Get wisdom. Be wise. Don't be selfish. Be wise. Wisdom is peaceful. It's gentle. It's merciful. It's pure all of these things. And I want to end with a question based on the last verse of chapter 3 that we read a few minutes ago. I want to go back and read it. He says, And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. And here's the way I want to ask this question that I want to present to you today that I felt like the Lord presented to me. Are you a peacemaker or a pot stirrer? Are you a peacemaker or are you a pot stirrer? Are you, are you somebody who is a peacemaker in situations? And listen, I'm not talking about conforming because some of us hear peace. We're like, well, just keep the peace, just keep the peace, just keep the peace. I'm not talking about conforming. I can give you a verse for that. I'm not talking about conforming. I'm talking about sowing seeds of peace. I'm talking about being a believer and walking in a way, living in a way that sows peace. That you can be, listen, you can be a peacemaker in a situation where nobody agrees with you. You can be a peacemaker following Jesus and living in the worst conditions imaginable. And you don't have to conform, but you can plant seeds of peace. I love the way that the Amplified Bible says this. It says, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness or spiritual maturity is sown in peace by those who make peace, by actively encouraging goodwill between individuals. When I think of peacemaker versus potster, I think of bringing together versus dividing. Bringing together versus dividing. It doesn't mean that, that we're all exactly the same, but it means that we are, we are coming together in unity. Jesus, Jesus even prayed, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. Like he, His desire is that we would be in unity together. Not uniformity, not all, not all exactly the same, but that we would all be going in the same direction. That we would all be working together, thinking of others as better than ourselves, working in the same direction. Will you stand to your feet this morning? Um, just to kind of summarize this, I just want to challenge you with just a few statements. Let's be peacemakers and not pot stirrers among each other. Let's submit our tongues to God. Let's pay attention to what's getting into our hearts, because out of the mouth, the heart speaks. And let's ask God for wisdom And then show that wisdom in the way that we speak and in the way that we live our lives. I was at the end of the first service, I didn't even have this in my notes, wasn't even prepared for this, but at the end of the first service, I just felt like we were singing this last worship song, and I felt like the Lord said to to get up and challenge everyone, myself included, that for, just for the next seven days, we always do in, 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 january we always do 21 days of prayer and fasting and we just draw closer to god and we say no to our flesh and we just really press into god and i love that time together because uh, we, we we grow and we're digging deeper and we're fasting and we're praying but i just felt like in in the second week of november god wants us to just say what if what if for seven days between this sunday and next sunday we fasted anything that was not life-giving so we weren't going to say anything that was not giving life to a situation, to what God's Word says, to God's perspective and God's way of thinking. And we just decided, what you know what, for the next seven days, we're going to live as if life and death are in the power of the things that we say. And so we're going to speak life. And I know some of you are thinking, well, what about, what about speaking truth? Well, you can speak the truth in love and still be speaking life. It's not, it's not a matter of, well, I have to true, choose life or I have to choose being honest with people. No, you can be honest and still be speaking life. You can, you can, you can speak the truth in love. And you're still being life-giving. But what if, what if for the next seven days we just said, you know what, I'm not going to speak death over myself. I'm not gonna speak death over my relationships. I'm not gonna speak, I'm gonna speak life over everything in my world. I'm speaking life over it. I'm giving life to it. Man, if we made that a habit, what do you think your life would look like? What do you think the people around you might look like if you began to speak life over every situation? I'm not speaking death, I'm speaking life. I'm not speaking death, I'm speaking life. Life and death are in the power of my tongue and i'm i'm going to speak li- i'm gonna be life giving in the words that i say my goodness what could your marriage look like if you spoke life what could your kids lives look like if you spoke life what could your listen what could your career and your job look like Some of us have been speaking death for so long over our workplace that we can't see anything but that. And what if we began to speak life? We're just going to speak life. I don't know what's going to happen in this, but I'm going to speak life. I'm I'm, I'm speaking life. I'm going to be life-giving at my work. I'm going to be the best employee that they have ever seen in their entire life. I'm going to speak life over that situation. When I'm driving home, I'm not going to complain to myself about everything that happened today. I'm going to pray about everything that happened today, and I'm going to speak life. I'm going to pray about it, and as I'm driving home, I'm saying it's going to be different tomorrow. I'm speaking life into this situation. It's not going to be the same forever. That God's up to something good. Ooh, I love that song. God's up to something good. And I'm not going to speak death. I'm not going to add to what the enemy's already trying to do. I'm going to speak life. We'll speak life. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray for you. Our prayer team, if you're on the prayer team, you can go ahead and come down make your way this way. We're going to sing one final song and if you need prayer for anything in your life, we want you to come down and, and allow us to pray for you and speak life into you. Agree with you. Pray about something that maybe you're walking through or that you're dealing with. But Before we do that, I want to pray over you and I just, wanna, I just want you right where you are, just heads bowed and eyes closed, and just ask the Lord, maybe there's, maybe there's one thing that you know today that God's saying, I want to work that out in you. Will, you. will you give me that area of your life? Maybe for you it's specifically the words that you say at your tongue. And, you, and, and right now the Holy Spirit is just asking you will, you, will you submit that to me? Will you submit that to me? Sometimes we, we think that we've surrendered everything to God, but we haven't surrendered our mouths. And God, that's a gift from God that he wants to use to give life to people and spread the gospel and, and see people come to know Jesus and point people to him, but we've got to submit it to him. We've got to give it over to him. So, Lord, right now, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you for your word. Thank you for, uh, for loving us. And, God, I want to say thank you that you never give up on us because every single one of us in this room have messed this up. We've said things that we shouldn't have said. We've said things in a way that we shouldn't have said them. We've spoken death into situations when we should have been speaking life because maybe that was all we felt or that was all we can see. And God, I thank you that you are so gracious and merciful and compassionate to see us right where we are, but also to not leave us right where we are, to speak into that situation, to speak into the things that we say. And God, I just pray right now that there would be a transformative work in our, in our mouths right now. God, that we would go through this next week and even beyond and we would we would speak life. We would speak life. We would speak truth. We would love people. God, I'm asking you to do right now what only you can do. That you would, you would plant this in our hearts that we would not forget it. That they, it would not just be words. But God, it would be something that we know we've got to take that and we've got to go do something and put feet to it. And Lord, I pray As we sing this last song, Holy Spirit, if there's any person here today who needs prayer for anything in their life, I pray that you would draw them for prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.